Well, it's like what I said, Wall Street is betting that the inflation data will confirm a slowing trend, and hence why the Dow is now up 200 points, at least at the time of the recording of this podcast. You know, Wall Street banks too much on inflation reports, sometimes, just my opinion, okay? And they try to use other reasons to justify a lot of times why they need to sell stock or what they own and at the time being. So Wall Street is just a very peculiar group of people. Okay. I mean, think about it this way. If the inflation numbers are too high, you can expect a sell-off to happen. Okay. At least at the, like I said, at the time of the recording this podcast, the Dow's at least up by 200 points. So, you know, it's going to be fun to see what happens going forward. So now some news that we need to be able to cover today. Okay. There's actually some big news from Bed Bath & Beyond where the shares have jumped by 50%. And why is that they're jumping up by 50%? We'll get into that going forward in this podcast today. We also have some news from the crypto markets as crypto exchange Binance plans to hire about 15 to 30% more people in 2023 where their competitors are actually laying off people. What does that mean for the crypto market going forward? FTX is also apparently recovered about 5 billion worth of liquid assets. None of them are crypto though, but it is some asset money that has been recovered. Okay. Then we have some news from Barclays because Barclays is cutting Apple's price target on concerns over demand and weakness and a slowing service growth. And what does that mean for the Apple stock going forward? And finally, we have some big news in the energy markets. And it has to do with Russia and how the West oil war against Russia is starting to take its toll. And we'll find out which and where it's taking its toll. So I have to remind you all before I begin this podcast that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that I am not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. And everything I talk about in this podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that while... I do have a small and long-term position in Apple. I do technically own shares in Apple, but like I said, this podcast is for information entertainment purposes only. And you need to go talk to your own professional advisor before investing as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. And your financial advisor actually understand your situation a lot better than I would. So with that being said, let's begin today's po- podcast. Bed Bath & Beyond jumps 50% to lead nonsense rally in meme stocks. AMC gains 15%. Okay, It says here, a group of highly speculative stocks rallied double digits on Wednesday as retail investors push meme names up again in the new year following a, a dismal 2022. Bed Bath & Beyond rallied a whopping 50% to trigger the trending in the morning trading Wednesday. <clears throat> Shares of GameStop, the original star of the 2021 meme stocks mania, climbed more than 10%. AMC Entertainment soared 18%. Okay, and the rally in Bed Bath and Beyond was initially triggered by news that it would lay off more than them. It would lay off more employees. <clears throat> excuse me, in an attempt to reduce costs and stay in business. The home goods retailer told employees that it is eliminating the chief transformation officer role, which was held by uh, Annie. Gupta on the same day reported disappointing fiscal third quarter results. Bed Bath & Beyond is approaching a potential bankruptcy as its sales decline and losses grow. Quote, we don't love the strength and nonsense stocks like AMC, CVNA, GME, BBBY, PRTY, etc. said Adam, founder of, of Vital Knowledge. Quote, this just means people are blindly chasing. During the early 2021, a band of retail traders Join forces to social media to bid up a slew of heavily shorted stocks, creating massive short squeezes in the affected high pain on short sellers. The meme stocks ex- 
experienced big pullbacks last year when the risk sentiment shifted amid aggressive rate hikes. GameStop fell by 50% in 2022, and AMZ tumbled 75%, and Bed Bath Beyond plunged 82%. While the short interest in the names has come down from its peak after their jaw-dropping episode, it still remains much higher than average. About 48% of Bed Bath & Beyond's float shares are sold short, compared with the average of 5% short interest and it is a typical U.S. stock according to the S3 partners for GameStop, the short interest stands at 21% more than 100% at the height of the meme stock mania in 2021 according to a fact sheet amc has also a 21% shares sold short okay so last thing we'll read and then we'll get into this it says a short squeeze happens when a stock jumps sharply higher it forces short sellers to buy back shares in order to limit their losses the short covering tends to fuel the stock rally further okay this is probably the third time i have witnessed something like this happen in my investing career okay i remember when game stock was going crazy and i remember talking to a neighbor and he was like dude we should consider jumping in on this and i was like no 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 no. i'm not going to jump into on this trend okay because i didn't get burned by GameStop. i didn't get burned by amd no the company that burned me the most was shake shack because i remember back in 2000 and i think it was 2015 it's been a while and I remember studying up on Shake Shack. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, I should uh, I should buy some Shake Shack stock. Okay, I did. And Shake Shack stock rallied, I think it was like a few weeks later to up to something like $100 a share. And then I remember like being like, okay, this is way too much because Shake Shack who's just recently went public and there's no way it should be worth this much. And then I sold it and then it pretty much fell back down to earth and I was able to buy back in where... I pretty much bought in originally. I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a short squeeze at the time. But I remember that sticking in my head. So I guess you say I didn't get 100% burned, but I just remember thinking, I was like, okay, this is what a short squeeze looks like. And I will do everything I can to stay away from companies like that. And obviously this isn't financial advice, like I always say, but it is something that will be talked about for a while, okay? Think about it this way. We just spoke yesterday about Bed Bath & Beyond, how there's a high probability that they're going to be filing for bankruptcy. And they're losing close to a billion dollars in sales right now, if I'm not mistaken. Close to a billion. And a lot of their, not retailers, but like the people who help supply the products, they're not giving as much products to Bed Bath & Beyond currently right now. Okay, so that makes me wonder... Is it really going to continue with being able to grow? No, pretty much right now it is a it's retail investors versus the mainstream investors, and the mainstream investors are having to cover their shorts right now. I don't know how much higher Bed Bath and Beyond will go, but you know it's just something to keep an eye out for because it will be talked about for a while, and usually it will some people will get burned. But I, like I said, this isn't financial advice. I personally would stay away from it. Because the short squeeze is on currently right now for Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, jumping 50%, that's insane to think about, okay? Continuing on, it says, Crypto exchange Binance plans 15 to 30% hiring spree in 2023, even as rivals slash jobs, okay? From CNBC, Binance is planning a hiring spree in 2023, the CEO said Wednesday, taking a somewhat contrary view as crypto firms lay off a huge swatch of staff amid continued pressure on coin prices. The CEO said Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, said the company increased headcount in 2022 from 3,000 people to almost 8,000. In 2023, Binance plans to increase the number of staff by between 15 and 30%. Zahu said that the crypto finance conference in St. Moritz, Switzerland. Rival exchanges have been forced to cut large parts of their workforce after nearly $1.4 trillion was wiped out from the crypto market in 2022. The major digital currencies, including Bitcoin and Ethereum, saw 
their prices plunge. In November, Kraken announced it was laying off 30% of its staff. And this and this year, Hobie and Coinbase said they would cut about 20% <coughs> excuse me, of their workforce. And that was the second round of job cuts for the Coinbase in the last year. CEO said Binance needs to get the company well-organized ahead of the next crypto bull market or bull run in this case, and admitted the exchange is not super efficient. Quote, we will continue to build and hopefully we will ramp up again before the next bull market. The CEO said the industry was plagued last year by the collapse of major projects, liquidity issues, bankruptcies, and a high profile failure of a crypto exchange FTX. Sam Bankman Fried, who founded FTX, has been charged with eight criminal counts by the U.S. prosecutors, including fraud. He has pleaded. He's he's pled not guilty. Wow, that's funny. Continuing on, says Binance has a big role to play in the FTX collapse. That's good to know. In November, Binance offered to buy FTX non-U.S. business which were facing liquidity issues, but the later backed off the deal. CEO of Binance said the, said publicly his company was selling its holdings in FTX native token, FTT, <coughs> excuse me, which exaggerated the collapse of the high digital coin, adding the FTX downward spiral. You know, it's interesting. This is a company that firmly believes that a bull run is coming soon, it sounds like, if they're hiring new people. I mean, we just also read yesterday, and I advise listening to that podcast from yesterday, about how we pretty much read that Coinbase was laying off people. And I have to say, that's uh, that's a concerning thought right there, that you have Coinbase that's saying that they're going to be laying off people, and then you have Binance that's saying where they're going to hire 15 to 30% more people. So if you are in Coinbase, maybe that's where you need to go is go to Binance now at this point if you're being laid off at Coinbase, okay? But at the same token, it makes me wonder, what does this mean for the crypto markets? Binance thinks that there's going to be a bull market soon, if they're, or at least they're trying to prepare for the next bull market. The thing is, we don't know when the next bull market's going to come for the crypto markets. <coughs> Excuse me. But I have to say, if the bull market does come soon, this will look like a really smart move on Binance's side. This is just my opinion, and this isn't financial advice, but I have a feeling that we're going to be reading soon about Binance having layoffs soon, in all honesty, okay? I mean, the writing's on the wall. A lot of these, a lot of these tech companies are laying off people, okay? And the crypto markets in general, there's no trading happening. I had mentioned this yesterday. One of the reasons why Coinbase had to grow so rapidly during 2021 and probably parts of 2022 was because they had people who had free money from the U.S. government and they were probably just trading cryptos all day. And that's not happening as much anymore. And if that's the case, that means that Binance is taking a huge gamble right now. And that's fine. If they want to take a huge gamble, that's their choice at the end of the day. But like I said, I'm expecting soon to read an article soon about how Binance is having to lay off people, okay? But we will keep an eye on Binance and see what these other crypto, uh, not cryptocurrencies, other crypto companies do because, I mean, there's still blood in the water, especially with FTX, okay? Speaking of FTX, actually, it says FTX has recovered $5 billion worth of liquid assets, lawyers say. From CNBC, FTX has recovered over $5 billion worth of liquid assets, including cash and digital assets. Attorneys in Delaware bankruptcy court said during an FTX bankruptcy hearing Wednesday. The news comes that the federal prosecutors announced plans to seize at least $500 million worth of FTX-connected assets as part of their ongoing prosecution of FTX co-founder Sam Bachman fried The recovery will welcome Boone to FTX customers after the FTX crypto imploded in November. FTX new CEO John J. Ray previously attested that at least $8 billion of customer assets were unaccounted for in the worst case of the corporate control he had, ne- he had ever seen. 
The 5 billion figure doesn't include any liquid cryptocurrency assets, FTX attorney Adam Landis told the report. He said the company holdings are so large that selling them would substantially affect the market driving down their value. FTX collapse was related to, among other things, a failure to correct market liquid illiquid assets to market. <clears throat> FTX executives, including Bankman Fried and Alameda Research CEO Caroline Ellison, borrowed against the value of FTX issued token. FTT, Alameda controlled the vast majority of FTT coins circulating similar to the publicity traded companies afloat and could not have liquidated their positions at full book value. And there's a correction in the article. It says this article has been updated to reflect that FTX attorney Adam Landis told the court that the 5 billion figure doesn't include any illiquidated cryptocurrency assets. Okay. You know, this whole crypto thing is just going to be a giant mess. And there's going to be more reports of this coming forward. And it's going to be good because we'll be able to keep reporting as much as we can. But these crypto companies, I don't see them doing well this next year, in all honesty, because this trial is still going to be going on for a while. And it's going to be a lot of blood in the streets in the crypto markets, which is fine because... That's just how things work sometimes in the market is there's sometimes there's, as Warren Buffett has put it, there's sometimes blood in the streets, especially on Wall Street. Okay. But FTX, there's probably gonna be more reports soon coming out and we'll get a better idea of where hopefully all this money has gone for these people who did invest in a company like this. And granted, like I always say, you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. And that's part of the risk you have to take. And so I'm curious to know at the end of the day, <clears throat> when this trial is all said and done, what new changes and regulations are going to be made with the cryptocurrency markets? What new regulations are going to be made for companies that are in the crypto markets? I mean, we're already seeing it right now. The U.S. federal government has pretty much said that companies that invest in crypto have to report on their balance sheet how much of their money is in currently in crypto, which is going to be a fun to look at because that means when you look at balance sheets going forward, you might see how much of it is in crypto assets going forward, which will give you a better idea if you really want to invest in a company like that or not. I know for a fact Elon Musk is going to have to start reporting that stuff on, I believe it's Tesla now, because he said that they were accepting Dogecoin at one point. I think it was like a year or two ago that he said that. It's been a while, but it is going to be interesting to see these companies have to start reporting their crypto holdings in their own portfolios or on their own balance sheets in a way at the end of the day which makes investing become a little bit more intriguing, which that means there could be more, I wouldn't say really investing, but more Wall Street gambling off companies. This could get really, really messy. And it's just something we got to constantly be paying attention to to see what's going to happen at the end of the day. But speaking of downgrades on companies and tech companies, okay? It says here from the tech industry from CNBC, Barclays cuts Apple's price target on concerns over demand weakness, slowing service growth. Barclays recently cut its Apple price target from $144 per share to $133 per share, noting its concern that Apple services estimates at, are at risk. The firm lowered its rev revenue estimate by 7% for the quarter to account for slowing service growth, production problems, and weakening demand. Quote, what started as a production-driven cuts have moved to demand weakness across product categories. They wrote in a Tuesday note, Quote, we're also concerned by decelerating services growth. Apple struggled with iPhone 14 Pro shipments during the holiday season because of the COVID restrictions in its primary factories in China. Investors are also wary of rising interest rates and declining consumer confidence that could hurt demand for Apple's premium price products. Shares of Apple were up less than 1% early Wednesday morning. In October, the world's largest iPhone factory in China was hit by the COVID outbreak. The Taiwanese company Foxconn, which runs the plant, imposed lockdown restrictions. 
The factory was later rocked by worker protest over a pay dispute in November, and many employees walked out. <coughs> Excuse me. Foxconn has attempted to enti- to entice workers back into bonuses, and Rudders reported that Foxconn's factory is also back up to full production. That's actually good to know, and we'll talk about that in a second. China has reversed course on its zero-COVID policy as it looks to reopen the economy. Beijing's policy involves strict lockdowns and mass testing to try to control the virus. Now there are COVID-19 outbreaks across large parts of the country, which could impact demand for iPhones. Apple also faces potential demand issues the key challenge is expecting to be on the demand side especially since the resilient high-end consumers may have started to shift their spending to travel while some have shifted their focus to medical supplies the shift in spending will pose a key challenge in the short term will wong research manager told idc told cnbc a representative from apple did not immediately respond to comment for request or request for comment at this time this is all i'm going to say and we kind of talked about this so they just we like we just read on this podcast or just right now in this news article that the the biggest iPhone factory in China is back online. Okay, that's actually big news. And that's kind of something that I wish we had covered. Maybe it was happening during the two weeks when we were out of commission. But it seems like uh, Apple is back on target to be able to do things right now. Okay. Sorry for all the strange coughs and noises that I've been making. It's just one of those days in the making. But this is all I'm going to say. It seems like with the reopening of the plant, there shouldn't be any issues. Now, there could there be supply chain issues? Maybe. But it doesn't seem like it if the plant is up and running. And you have China that has their zero COVID policy has ended. Okay, which means China's economy is opening up, which also means now there's going to be a chance that the Western ports could potentially become overflowing again with ships backlogs in the making, which, oh my gosh, that would not be fun to have to deal with again. But at the same token, it makes me wonder if at the if we are seeing the end of the Chinese COVID lockdowns right now in China, that that means iPhone production is going to be coming back up. You got to remember too, Apple is moving some of their production from china to potentially india or vietnam i can't remember which one it was we've reported in past podcasts and like i said i advise going to listen to that but i'd have to say apple is making a lot of moves and obviously it takes time to have to build plants and i understand that but if the biggest iphone plant is back open again and it's running at full production it means that there probably will be a high demand soon in all honesty, not financial advice, but yeah, you got to remember too, Apple makes more money. They don't make all their money off their iPhones. I mean, they do in a way, but they also make money off their, their Macs, their PCs, well, not PCs in this case, it's Macs, their iPads, their service revenue from the iTunes store. They also make a lot of money off of their, what was it? Not the iTunes store. Oh, Apple TV. That's what it was too. Apple has a lot of products and services that they have. And Apple buys out a new company almost every, was it a week or a few weeks? I can't remember what it was. I remember reading somewhere that Apple is constantly buying up new companies. So this whole dropping in share price, I don't see it happen. We'll find out soon, actually, because Apple gets to report earnings, I believe, in February. But we'll get an idea of how the holiday season was. But in the short term, there could be some pain for Apple going forward. And this isn't financial advice. But it is interesting to see that these articles keep coming out and Apple is right now in the news 
there's negative news on Apple. So we'll continue to keep an eye out for that because I don't think Apple's going to, I think Apple's going to have a decent quarter in all, honestly, because I think having the iTunes store is a huge boost for them. But I mean, I'm not expecting Apple to get punished because of it. They have too much cash on hand too. Let's put it that way as well. Last thing we got to talk about says the West oil war against Russia is starting to take its toll, sparking calls for tougher measures. Says Russia's revenue from fossil fuel exports collapsed in December, according to a new report, significantly hampering President Vladimir Putin's ability to finance the war in Ukraine. The findings, Ukraine officials are campaigners say, illustrate the effect of targeting Russian oil revenue and underscores the urgent need for Western policies to ratchet up financial pressure on Moscow in order to help Kiev prevail. Published Wednesday by the Center of Research on Energy and Clean Air, an independent Finnish think tank, the report found that the first month of the European Union ban on seaborne imports of Russian crude and G7 price cap had cost Moscow an estimated 160 million euros or 171.8 million per day. Korea's report said that the Western measures were largely responsible for a 17% fall in Russia earnings from fossil fuels. Reports that the final months of 2022. It means that Russia, one of the world's top oil producer and exports, saw revenue from fossil fuels exports slump to its lowest level since Putin launched its full-scale invasion in Ukraine in late February. The EU's oil ban and price cap have finally kicked in, and the impact is significantly as ex- expected. Uh, the lead analysis at CREA said in a statement, quote, this shows that we have the tools to help Ukraine prevail against Russia aggression. It's essential to lower the price cap to the level that denies taxable oil profits to the Kremlin and to restrict the remaining oil and gas imports from Russia. The group of seven Australia and EU implemented a 60 per dollar barrel cap on Russian oil on December 5th. It came alongside a move by the EU and the UK to oppose a ban on seaborne imports of Russia crude oil. Together, the measure reflects by far the most significant step of Uh, to certain to curtail the fossil fuel export revenue that is funding the Kremlin's onslaught in Ukraine. Energy analysis have been uh, been spectacle about the impact of price cap on Russian oil, particularly as Moscow has been able to reroute much of its European seaborne shipments to the likes of China, India, and Turkey. Ah, good. Another country that I did not know that Russian oil is being imported to was Turkey. Makes me wonder then if Turkey's exporting that oil, then... And it's not even mentioning any of the countries in the Middle East as well. Continuing on, it says Russia's re- t- retaliated against the Western measures last uh, late last month by banning oil sales to countries that abide by the price cap. The Kremlin spokesman had previously said a Western price cap on Russian oil <clears throat> would not impact the ability to sustain what is described as a special military operation in Ukraine. Pez- Pez- Pezvo, I believe that's how you say it, also warned that the measure would destabilize global energy markets, Rudders reported. A spokesperson from Russia Financial Ministry was not immediately available for comment on the reporting findings, okay? You know, that's all I'm going to have to say, okay? And this is a huge deal. They're believing that it's taking a toll on Russia. It might be, but I don't see it happening much longer. And this is why. <clears throat> we just read, at least on the Apple iPhone report, that the biggest iPhone factory is back up and operating in China. And I've mentioned this before, when China's economy reopens officially, because now it's happening with the zero COVID policy, there's going to be a demand for oil in China, which means there's a high probability that China is going to buy more oil from Russia. Okay. I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, this continues to potentially be an ongoing issue, okay? China's going to keep buying oil, which means India's going to keep buying oil because China and India are kind of don't like each other. And you have China that's butting up more and more with Russia. 
And now you have Turkey in the midst, okay? And that's not even counting Saudi Arabia, I believe, like we've mentioned in past podcasts that are buying the Russian oil as well. But this is going to continue going on, okay? It says here, financially bloodline for Putin's war. This is the economic advisor of the Ukraine president, Vladimir Zelensky, said Wednesday that while it's a very good news that Russia is losing revenue from fossil fuel exports as a result of the Western measures, they were definitely not enough. This, the guy echoed Zelensky's call for price cap and this set a much lower level, saying a briefing that each escalation of economic sanctions against the Kremlin should be see the oil price cap come down to target range of $23 a barrel. There is no reason to wait. The CRE's report found that the measure caused a fall in shipment volumes and prices of Russian oil that has cut the country's export revenue by 100 million euros per day. By increasing exports of refined oil, products of the EU and the rest of the world report said Moscow has been able to claw back 20 million euros per day, resulting in a net daily loss of 160 million euros. The Western measures came into force. Russia still makes an estimate 640 million euros per day from fossil, from exporting fossil fuels. The report said, quote, the first month of the embargo proves that what we've been saying from the beginning of the invasion income from exports of fossil fuels is the financial bloodline of Putin's war. It is. But it doesn't matter because Putin's going to be able to now be able to ship more oil to China if China's economy is opening up. And India's not going to allow China to get more oil reserves, so they'll probably get more as well. And I don't know how Turkey plays into this as well. That's an interesting thought is that Turkey's also buying oil from the Kremlin. But at the end of the day, this is, I mean... I don't know how this is going to all end. I just know continuing the oil markets are just going to continue to be chaotic. They will be in 2023. The only way the oil markets face some form of stability is if this conflict ends. And I don't know when it's going to end. But I do know you can see the markets jump the second it ends. They they will. Okay. But the oil markets are just, in my opinion, are going to continue to be chaotic. They will be. And like I've mentioned hundreds of times before, it seems like China's reopening. China's going to have a huge demand for energy. They're probably going to be buying a lot of their oil from Russia. So at the end of the day, it's just it's just a mess. And it's going to continue to be a mess. And that's what it boils down to. So, But we'll keep reporting as much as we can because, like I said, it's always curious to see how things are looking. But at the end of the day... Oil markets are going to continue to be somewhat volatile going forward. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't willing to talk about or doesn't have the time to talk about. Please also continue sharing with friends or family as it helps, has helped grow this podcast channel as much as it has recently. And I have to thank my fellow podcast listeners who have been listening on this journey as we grow this podcast's as much as we can. So I thank you so much for continued support and listening. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.